That's great. It's the ninth and the final talk that we're listening to today about the attributes of God, discovering more about him. And what we've been asking ourselves over the last sort of few weeks is, who are we following? We're following who? God. Yeah, it's not putting the word doctor in between. We're not following Doctor Who, are we? We're following who? We're following God. And God is glorious. Is that going to be all right? We're going to move on. Next month, we're not going to be talking about God is glorious or God is that. We're going to talk all about quite a few different things over the next few weeks. Different speakers, we're talking about different things. And then when we come to April and May, we'll be talking about the first 41 chapters of the book of Psalms. And again, various speakers are going to be helping us learn about it, understand and get used to reading the Psalms. Uh, It's a great book. But we're going to concentrate on the attributes of God again today. It's been really brilliant, isn't it, the last few weeks, listening to people speak about what God is like. And the thing that that has impressed me the most is that everyone has said, we can't give God justice in the way we speak about him. We can sort of say, God is this, God is that, and we could keep on talking about him, but we don't really give him our all, do we? We can't really talk fully about God. We could read the Bible loads. We could read other books loads and loads. We could listen to more talks for the next 43 weeks and all of next year. We still wouldn't really cut the mustard with knowing what God is like. We just have a small inkling of what God's like. And that's been really refreshing, I think, to hear that even though we're meant to be brilliant humankind, we're not really in comparison to God. We're kind of, how low can I go? And how high can I go for what God's like? So that's what we're thinking about again today. A few weeks ago, Paul was saying that the omni-words, omniscience, omnipresence and omnipotent, aren't really in the Bible. If you get your concordance out, you will see that the word glorious is from beginning to end. It's all over the place. And so if you want to sort of have a look at some of those when you're at home, that would be great using a concordance. I've got my magic thing. There's so many things that we could have... Oh, that was interesting. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> well, I was expecting some sort of scripture to come up then. So I wonder, is it going to happen? Yes, get in there, as they say. Well done. Right, so there's all kinds of scriptures that I could have used to start with today, but this is the one I thought would be pretty good to go for. It's Isaiah chapter 12. It's only, well, it's one of the smallest chapters in Isaiah. It says this, as you can read yourself. In that day you will say, I will praise you, Lord. Although you are angry with me, your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. Uh, I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defence. He has become my salvation. With joy, uh, joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day you will say, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let us be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion. 
for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. Now, I've got a question for all of you. What makes you say, wow? Not how, because that was a program a few years ago that I used to enjoy watching. But what makes you say, wow? And to me, you wouldn't believe it. Jigsaws. Yes! Jigsaws make me say, wow. When I've finished a jigsaw, with Jill's help, it really is a wow moment. That last piece going in, you just think, fantastic, wow. I'm, I'm really excited about jigsaws. I could be an ambassador for jigsaw firms very easily. I don't know if you could be, but jigsaws make me go, wow. How about this? I'm really excited about this. The Bloodhound SSC. Oh, that's great. I've even got two bags with it home, uh, home with it on. Bloodhound supersonic car it is. And so far, the land speed record was set in October 1997 at 763 miles an hour. They're hoping next year to go faster than that. And in 2018, they think it's going to go 1,000 miles an hour. A car? Whoa, that's wow to me. But I can see some of you aren't interested. So I'm going to move on. Right, it may be that when you sort of meet a famous person or see a famous person in the street, you go, wow, there's David Dimbleby. Or, wow, there's the Queen. Or, wow, there's someone else. No, you don't. Um, I can just tell. <laughs> but maybe with technology, it might be that you just think, I've got an iPad, I've got a friend in Australia, I don't have to phone them up anymore. I can just say, hi, how are you? Oh, great. And all this. You can just see them. Technology is brilliant. Maybe you say to yourself, wow, with technology. It's a little bit higher. Lawrence, <laughs> especially, thank you. You gave a bit of a smile. So I'm very happy about that. So, it might be that all these things make you go, wow, or something else. Just give me a bit of feedback. What makes you go, wow? Creation. Creation. Okay, lovely. Beautiful landscape. That sounds beautiful, wonderful. Anyone else? Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls. And Jan? The birth of a baby. Birth of a baby. Andy? Just... Come in, birth of a baby, oh, a young child, oh, thank you, Andy. Right, that's great, isn't it? Birth of a baby. Anyone else got anything that wow they want to say? Being on an aeroplane, because you look out the window in an aeroplane and you think, I'm flying in the sky. Wow, that's it. Yeah, how did the Wright brothers feel for the first time when they were going along in Kitty Hawk or wherever it was? Yeah, it was marvellous, isn't it? Any other wows? Okay, I'm glad you've got no more because all of those are okay. But when you compare all of those things to God, pretty dull really, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's amazing, but not as amazing as knowing God. God puts all our wow moments definitely in the shade. They're just mundane. We might sort of think, yeah, jigsaws, yeah, land speed records, yeah, creation or newborn babies or Niagara Falls or whatever. There's something else as well. Flying. Flying, thank you. But in comparison to knowing God, yeah, not very interesting. Who is like you, O Lord? This is Exodus 15, verse 11. Among the gods... Who is like you, majestic in holiness, 
awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders. Wow, that sounds great. What about this one? Now, this has got some great words. I love this. From the message. God's love is meteoric. His loyalty, astronomic. His purpose, titanic. His verdicts, oceanic. Wow, fantastic. But it's the next verse that when you couple them together, you just think, wow, God is glorious. God is amazing. God is so wonderful. Yet in his largeness, nothing gets lost. Not a man, not a mouse slips through the cracks. And that's Psalm 36, verses 5 and 6. So isn't that brilliant? All these big things God is, and God is glorious, which we're thinking about today. But the little mouse he knows about, he knows us through and through. That's how brilliant and glorious and marvellous God is, how awesome he is. This morning, we're going to look at uh, six uh, examples of God being glorious. And we're just going to think about what was the kind of language that was used and what was the reaction of the people that were there. Ezekiel. I love the book of Ezekiel. Anyone else got any Ezekiel fans here? Yeah. Yeah, fantastic, isn't it? Because I think Ezekiel is one of the best prophets in the Bible. I really like the book. So, here's Ezekiel trying to describe God. Now, if you sort of read chapters 1, 2, and 3, you'll get more of a flavour of what he sort of says. But this is just a little bit of it. This is talking about God and how glorious he is. Above the vault over their heads was what looked like a throne of lapis lazuli. Or lapis lazuli? Yeah, I know it's a blue stone. I'm not really into Latin so much. But no, it's blue. A bit like sapphire maybe, but a bit different. So it was that above, the, uh, that was the throne. And high above on the throne was a figure like that of a man. I saw that from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal, as if full of fire. And that from there down, he looked like fire. And brilliant light surrounded him like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds of a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. This was the appearance of the lightness of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell face down, and I heard the voice of one speaking. So all of these things, windstorms, clouds, fire, gleaming metal, lightning, sparkling bronze, lions, oxen, I ran out of space for more bullets points, so I just carried on the same line. Eagles, wheels, eyes, rushing waters... The throne, rainbow, all of these things. And yet still it didn't really sum up God. He used, he, in his imagination, he saw all these things. But it didn't really cut it. It was just, wow, and perhaps it's one of the best descriptions of God in the Bible, I think. But it still wasn't there. It still wasn't like an accurate 100%, this is what God is like. What about the next one? Isaiah. Now, this is perhaps more familiar for a lot of people. Isaiah 6, 1 to 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, they are types of angels, and each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy 
Holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, for I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs uh, from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, This has touched your lips, your guiltiness taken away, and your sin atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. So again, Isaiah had this vision of God, high and lifted up. I don't know if your imagination is good or not, but maybe if you're sort of trying to imagine it, thinking, yeah, all of this going on. And again, there's a response from Isaiah, a response that he gives. On to the next one. We're looking at Daniel. Daniel chapter 7. Verse 13 and 14. Again, these are just short extracts of wider passages that you can read and get a bigger picture of what's going on. So this is Daniel talking. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Wow, can you imagine that? If you were sort of woken up in the middle of the night and saw that vision, that picture of God, would you be saying, wow, wow, just so much bigger than we can think. Forget jigsaws, forget all these other things. That's a total wow moment if we were going to see God like that. We know loads about Saul of Tarsus, don't we? And we know what was happening when he went to Damascus, or when he tried to get to Damascus. And this is Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 9. The thing that really struck me was verse 3. As he neared Damascus on his journey... Suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? So who or what was this light that was flashing from heaven then? God, wasn't it? Just saying, I'm here, Saul, you've been sort of learning about me, but you don't know me. Here I am. And it was just light was flashing. And wow, what a moment. And what happened to Saul? He couldn't see anymore. Again, there's a response. And then what happened from being a, uh, a, a church hater? He became a, uh, a church builder. That's what happened to him. Quickly looking at the next one. Transfiguration. Probably we all know the story about what happened. We've got Jesus taking Peter, James and John up a mountain and there he changes. 
and Elijah and Moses come and meet with them. And you sort of see it in all these different verses. In probably in every gospel, I'd say, it's written about. Although in John, it's kind of not really the story about it. It's kind of, yeah, if you read between the lines, you can see it is. And then 2 Peter, of course, it's there as well. So all of these verses are on the website, so you can write it down, or we can just look at another time and just see what all of them are saying. But it was transfigured. The, his face, his, the glory of God was there for all to see. And that's just so amazing. Read the story. All the verses are there for you to think about. Quickly moving on to Revelation. Again, you sort of, you'll have heard of this one, no doubt. And this is Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 to 15. And this is in heaven. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe. How exciting is that? Every tribe. And language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. And they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne, and to the uh, sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honour and glory and power for ever and ever. The four living creatures said, "Amen," and the elders fell down and worshipped. We've got some of the responses that we've had here. Isaiah saying, "Here am I, send me." Saul, as we said earlier, saying from being a Jesus hater to a church builder. People not just sort of saying, oh yeah, there's God, that's brilliant, but kneeling down or getting prostrate on the ground and saying, Lord, I'm not worthy of you. I just need you. I'm overwhelmed by your presence, by your love. In fact, just after the transfiguration, In Mark chapter 9, verses 14 and 15, there's some really good words here. 14 and 15. So this is Mark 9. So this is just after the transfiguration. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. And I'm just thinking, Lord... I want to be overwhelmed by you. I want to be overwhelmed with wonder. If we took a couple of chapters earlier, in chapter 7 of Mark, this is verse 37, people were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. Heaven makes the deaf, he even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. So they were overwhelmed with amazement, overwhelmed with wonder. Because he's so glorious. Because he's so great. But of course it's interesting that in the transfiguration, if you read some of those verses that we sort of had a few moments ago, 
The disciples in Mark, he says they're frightened. Whereas in Matthew, they say they were terrified. Seeing God in his full gloriousness, if there's such a word, we're going to react to it, aren't we? We might be frightened, we might be terrified, but we're not going to remain the same. It's impossible. When we, we, when we meet with God, we are changed. We can't help but happen because he's so brilliant, so marvellous, so beyond us that we just change. I think there's four types of prayer that people can say. We can say help. And help is a good thing to pray. We can say thank you. But we can also say, wow. And we can also say, here I am. Just like Isaiah said, here I am, send me. So those four types of prayer that we can sort of say to God when we are praying and living our lives, because day to day, life can be sometimes good, sometimes it can be pretty terrible. But having those ideas of saying, yes, Lord, I can say help. I can say thank you. I can say wow for your amazingness that you have. And I can say, here I am. Where we live, Nuneaton, is all right, but it's not brilliant. There's some really terrible things that happen in, in the town and roundabout. Some good things, some bad things. But as a church, we want to make a difference, don't we? We don't want to just say, yes, God's made a difference in my life. I'm just going to stay in the, in the church building or just stay with my friends. I want to make a difference. I want to get out and not just show that God is glorious to me, but God is glorious to other people as well. So what we want to do is think about what is our next step. It's all right saying, yes, we want to learn about God is all these things. But what are we going to do with that? Tozer. We've heard about Tozer even last week. And from the knowledge of the holy, he says this. We Christians are the church. And whatever we do is what the church is doing. The matter, therefore, is for each of us a personal one. Any forward step in the church must begin with the individual. So we want to know that God is saying that it's not just up to Paul as our leader, as our boss, as our shepherd, as our pastor and a minister to get everything right. It's up to all of us individually to say, Lord, I want to follow you wholeheartedly. I want to not just be a Christian in church. I am the church. I want to be the church wherever I go. So here's a few ideas. We could gain knowledge. Yes, gaining knowledge is great. Well, we can gain knowledge by reading the Bible regularly, memorising excellent verses, taking notes from talks that we get at church. We could buy books and we could read them. Because I know, I don't know about you, but I've got lots of books that I don't read. We could go to Spring Harvest and other places like it. We could do that. We could attend more meetings here. And we could lead a Bible study or something here. All of those would be great things. But if we're gaining knowledge, is that the end of it? I don't think so. What I need is an alarm from some of you. Can you give me a bit of a sound effect, please? An alarm? Yeah? Thank you, this side of the room. Right, this side of the room. Give us a, a sort of a, a bit of an alarm. 
<laughs> people in the middle, give us a... They were shocking, weren't they? Shocking alarm. Terrible. People in the middle, give us an alarm. Was that worse? Right, I'm going with this lot. This is the alarm I want to hear. Let's give an alarm because there's something that we need to see. Because it's not just about gaining knowledge. Give me the sound of the alarm nice and loud. It's a relationship. This is the thing we've got to think about. It's not just gaining knowledge. What we're here for is to have a relationship with God. And it's the relationship with God that we're called to invest in. It's no good just reading the Bible, although it's brilliant. It's no good just praying prayers. That's brilliant. It's no good just coming to church most weeks or every week or now and again, although that's brilliant. What we're called to do is invest our time in God. We're called to be his disciples, aren't we? And so if we gain knowledge, that's beautiful and wonderful, but we're here to have a deeper a more solid relationship with God. Andrew Wilson, I, wrote, uh, I read a book by him, and he says, our understanding of God is riddled with things we cannot explain properly, and this makes him more glorious, not less. So we might have very patchy knowledge of God, and we certainly have, as we said earlier, but what we're after is to say, that makes you even better, God. That makes you wonderful. He might call us to do weird and wonderful things sometimes, things that you just think, God, is that you saying that? Just like the other week when I went to Sainsbury's, I didn't really hear God saying, put that coat on, but I put my coat on from Ghana, and then you might, if you were here the other week, you'd have heard that the operative on the uh, conveyor belt till, yeah, was saying, oh, I didn't even have to say anything to him. He was full of it because... He was family was from Ghana, and he saw the coat and was yatta 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 yatta. And then when I went back a couple of weeks later, he was still yatta 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 about it. And I had my normal red coat on, and he was still going on about it to me and just saying, "Oh, that was really good. You made my day." Blah blah blah. But God calls us to do weird things sometimes. But all we need to do is say, "Okay, Lord, here am I. Send me." Remember what we were saying a few weeks ago. Sometimes we say. We put God in the box. Impossible. God can't fit into a box. We're not putting God in a box. We're putting the church in a box. And as we're saying, the church is us. So as we're getting to know God, so we want to follow him and say, Lord, wherever you are, I want to know you more. I want to follow you wholeheartedly. I want to know you. And then we get ourselves out of the box And then God starts to use us and does amazing things, supernatural things, things that we wouldn't have thought of, but God surely has thought of already and thinks that we're ready to serve him and to worship him and to love him. We talked about it at the beginning. Who are we following? We're following God. And the last few weeks we've been thinking that God is all these different things, We've been thinking that God is a little bit like a diamond. That was kind of a picture we sort of had the first week in January, saying, yeah, God is like a diamond with all these different facets that we just have got, sort of, we could learn a little bit, but then there's more to learn, and we can learn a little bit more, and then there's more to learn. So over the last few weeks, we've been 
learning a lot. We've been learning that God is ineffable. And that was the first time we sort of thought about this. Ineffable. We just can't say enough about him. It's just impossible. God is holy. David Rhodes came and talked about that with us. God is not silent. God is the omnis that Paul was talking about. God is creative. God is jealous. Jean spoke on that. And God is love. And then last week, God is faithful. And today we've been thinking briefly about God is glorious. But the thing I've been thinking about the most this week isn't really just one of those things. I've been thinking to myself how maybe 15, 20 years ago, I used to like writing, uh, sorry, not writing, reading lots of biographies. And so I've, I've read all their biographies. I don't know quite a lot about them. And I think, yeah, that's great to know about John Pertwee, William Carey, Queen Mary, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, Beethoven, David Niven, King George V, John Wesley, Churchill, Robert Peel, Prince Philip, Duke of Wellington, Reinhard Bonker, Keith Green, um, uh, Smith Wigglesworth. All of these people I've read biographies about, and maybe you've read more than me, probably have. But the Bible isn't just an autobiography or a biography of God. We want to be more than that. Remember the alarm we had earlier? Give me the alarm again. It's not just the head knowledge. It is definitely the relationship. We want to know God is faithful and not silent and creative and love and glorious, faithful, jealous, omnis, holy. But it's the relationship God's calling us to. God says, come to me. You who are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. God says, I love you. Come to me. Be my people. I want to be your God. We're called to a a personal relationship with God. And even if we study the Bible for 10, 20, 30 years, we're never going to know more than an inkling, more than scratching the surface of who God is. And that's brilliant, but it shouldn't make us not go on the journey of wanting to know God. Hopefully it's going to encourage us to follow God and say, yes, I want to know you more. So God is amazing. God is awesome. God is magnificent. God is supreme. God is glorious. And yet, he loves us. So Lynn's going to help us respond to that message.